This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. I'm sitting here with my buddy, Austin DeGraff from Boomerang. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for making the trip. Yeah, I'm here for business, and um, it all it just worked out timing wise. So, um, I like coming to Houston, like eating good food here. So. Where are you from again? I grew up in Roswell, New Mexico. Okay, with the alien town. Yeah. Um, my parents are dairy farmers there. Okay. And then um, I don't know there was any farms in Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah, there's a bunch. Okay. Um, shout out to all the dairy farms out there. <laughs> but um, I went to Texas Tech, graduated petroleum engineering from Tech, and then obviously went to Midland right after that, and then lived in Oklahoma City with for seven years with my wife and now I'm back in the Permian. So I live in Lubbock, but I'm in Midland almost every day. Nice, man. So you're with Boomerang, right? Yes. Foodandgetboomerang.com. But you guys are, uh, would you, would you call it SCADA? Yeah, I call it SCADA. Yeah. yeah. yeah Cloud native SCADA. Um, we do simple SCADA um, and we do it, we think better than anybody else on the data acquisition side. So we have screens and dashboards and we, display your artificial lift types or your H pumps or your facilities. Um, but complex control is what the technology can do. And that's where we see the industry going. And that's where we see us fitting in. What is complex control? Complex control, uh, best way I've had to describe to me, closed loop control, where okay. you have a pattern in your artificial lift types. So let's use ESP, for example. You have a pattern, you have a device on site, an edge device with edge computing. We call, once we install software into the edge device, it's called a boom box. Okay. <laughs> and um, so the boom box is able to identify patterns or anomalies and automatically make a change, speed up, slow down, start, stop, um, open or close a valve. And it does it on its own with logic or algorithms that we've installed in the boom box. So is that something that you, do you like have to like write these algorithms kind of like one off from it or is it something that's like learning automatically? Um, it's not so much machine learning automatically. So we do have scripts and I think we're in the beginning stages and the industry is on the beginning stages of full closed loop complex control. Um, so at the moment we're doing scripts where you take SME knowledge, whether that's us and my group with the production knowledge that we have. We have operators that give us certain scripts or logic that they want or they recommend for their wells, whether it's new wells or older wells. And then we're working with um, some pretty cool technology companies that are doing physics-based modeling and we're using their logic too. So it's whoever is, uh, the operator makes the decision, right, on what yeah. scripts, what they want to do with their well. Um, so we can give recommendations and then they approve or deny those. And then what are the various use cases? Uh, as far as artificial lift types? Yeah. So um, I'm ESP background. Uh, my partner Ober and his gas lift background, so ESP's gas lift. That's kind of our main focus. Um, we're not the low cost provider on the SCADA sides. We're focused on new wells, wells that can afford a little bit extra. And then we do have a suite of H pumps, rod pumps, uh, gapple paggle, so all the associated artificial lift types. So for anybody who's listening who's not familiar with artificial lift, can you explain it like for five? Yeah. So when you drill a well and complete a well, you have a certain natural lift where the pressure downhole is able to lift fluid to surface naturally. As that settles down um, and the pressures kind of equalize, you install artificial lift. 
whether that's a pump or gas lift, jet pump. There's a variety. I don't know how many types there are, 10 or <laughs> a lot. 50 or 20. <laughs> um, that's what artificial lift is. So when I graduated, I jumped in with an artificial lift company and I was doing engineering operations sales for an ESP company, electric submersible pumps. And I loved it. I loved being on the business side of oil and gas, um, selling equipment, having a relationship with customers. And I had an awesome young team around me and we just had a lot of fun. And I've always been kind of wanting to, I, I've always wanted to jump to the operator side, but I never did. And I've been really happy to stay on the server side. So a lot of people may kind of at kind of face value be like, hey, there's already a ton of skittish shit out here. How do you guys feel? I know we talked about the complete control a little bit, but like walk me through kind of maybe the existing market. You don't have to name anybody if you don't want to, but just walk me through what is the void that you guys are, are filling and how are things done kind of currently? Sure. So the way we're describing it is there's the old architecture SCADA. Um, a lot of devices are still using radios that feed information back to a PLC or they're using a modem or satellite on an asset. So ESPs, compressors, you may have a modem out there. And, the and, P and a PLC is like some sort of like central control box, right? Right. Okay. Um, specifically on variable speed drives, you'd have a modem on site. In the old architecture, the monolithic architecture way, is you ping or you pull that modem every 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes. You really can't go faster than that because it's the data transfer and you wanna make sure that the quality is there. The new architecture way of SCADA is using a cloud native microservices and installing an edge device on site. So the edge device being connected to a modem where you're reading every value and transmitting that those values every second. That's what we're doing. So we do simple SCADA faster and with higher resolution than anybody's done before. So we think we could sell that in itself and just be a better version of simple SCADA. But what the technology has unlocked for us and for operators is doing the next level of complex control. So we don't want to stop there. We want to take it to the next level and see where operators and service companies alike can do autonomous control in the field. So mm. that's kind of my. Mm. Okay. So is with the, so the edge device hooks up to the modem and the edge device allows it to have, my understanding is you're able to crunch a lot more data with the edge device, right? And right. As opposed to taking that information and maybe having to like relay it to the cloud, the back office, whatever, you can kind of do those computations there in the field. Right. And in a way that it's more efficient too, and the way that we're able to charge the same price for the 10 minute polling where we're doing it every second is on change data. So if an ESP is at 60 Hertz and it doesn't change all day, we've only sent transmitted that one time. It mm. recognizes that it didn't change, so it doesn't transmit it. So the values that you do see change a lot are temperature, amperage, voltage. So those are the ones that we are transmitting every second. So with the with the more complete control and being able to essentially optimize these artificial lift types, what's the what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Is it is it being more reliable? Is it being more productive? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So because we do capture every data point when you have um, an artificial lift failure, um, that's very expensive. You have mm -hmm. work over rig, you have equipment going back to the, your vendor's facility, you're trying to diagnose diagnose what happened. Um, so having every data point there is beneficial, which you may or may not have had previously. And then control in the field where you may have um, a service tech or 
an operator that wants to remotely change a parameter with the well that's an hour or two away, he can now go into Boomerang, change that, one second later have um, confirmation that that change was made, and then he can watch it live and see if that change is successful or it's not, and then he can change it back. Used to, you'd make a change, you wait till the next 10-minute poll, and the well may have already shut down. You didn't know it. Yeah. So having the ability to do certain controls remotely, effectively, and have instant feedback is beneficial. That could save someone driving four hours round trip. So there's efficiencies in the field, the data with failure analysis, and then the ability to do the complex closed loop control, that is taking the efficiencies of an engineer or, or field staff to, to another level. So if you're trying to like optimize a well to produce is, is kind of much as possible, kind of also without like overclocking it, right? Where you mm-hmm. just can blow this thing out. Does the edge device have the ability to optimize that itself or do you have to have kind of like a savvy engineer who's going to be kind of giving it some kind of guidelines on like, he, here's what it, we should be doing and kind of experimenting with it and kind of going back and forth? Yeah, I think if you look at like a water flood, for instance, those reservoirs or those wells aren't changing drastically really at all anymore. So that one you can just build in and set algorithms and you know exactly what's going to happen. In the unconventional space where you have a well where it first popped, it's acting this way. You're making a lot of water and you're not dealing with a lot of gas interference. But a year from now, you could, as you've drawn that well down, you could have a lot of gas interference. Temperature becomes an issue. Artificial lift types react differently. So we think that there's uh, different algorithms and logic that need to be set for different stages of the well. So first 90 days and then between 90 and 365 days and then after that. So as the, as the well changes, you need the technology to adapt to it. Is there any, is there any uh, plans for, you know, a lot of the talk right now is chat GPT, large language models, I don't know, machine we, learning. Like if you guys have great data sets, yeah. is there ways that you could? Our, our stance is we're really happy being um, best in class edge computing edge device in the field. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of folks out there that are doing um, AI models, physics-based models, very sophisticated engineering work. And we'd like to partner with them and adapt that. So they're good at their space. We're good at our space. And if an operator wants to combine those two, we're open to do that. So, so I think, but we are not focused on machine learning or AI. No, <laughs> it's one of those things that we've, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, obviously we use it and stuff, but in the event that something that we use it for went wrong or, uh, it lied or whatever, mm-hmm. um, nothing really bad is going to happen. You know, but if you were to entrust, you know, the algorithms to completely run well and it was yeah. just to go haywire, right? You could just totally junk a really expensive <laughs> well. No, they're really expensive <laughs> wells. Um, I lunched the guy, Blake, yesterday and he said, I still want the recommendation to come to me and I can approve or deny it. And I said, you're right. But when that recommendation comes to you every day at 8 a.m. and you always hit yes and that's 400 days in a row, then are you going to trust it and just yeah. let it happen on its own? And he said, well, maybe. So I think um, the younger generation adapting to that technology, I think it's going to be interesting. We're okay just sending com- recommendations, having the engineer approve them or field staff approve them. And it's still different than what people are doing today. So walk, walk me through that. So is it, you guys are just kind of sending unsolicited recommendations or is it like it, there's some sort of parameters that they get kind of notified on? Yeah, so similar to the closed loop control system where you have the edge device making the changes, we would just have one step in between there where we would send a text or an email saying, 
the the machine boomerang is recommending this change and then you can approve it or deny it. So essentially just one extra step. Is boomerang and um, I'm sitting here thinking about your name here. Is it is it you know the boomerang whole concept throwing it coming back? Is it like is it hey we're bringing back yeah, the data lift. coming right back to you. Oh, immediately. oh, I was thinking about from the artificial lift. Like, hey, you you lose tertiary lift, and now you're getting an artificial lift, and it's coming back. Oh, yeah, that's good, that's good too. Yeah, I haven't okay. thought of that way. You're welcome. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. What you guys is, uh, you know, you were like, hey, you know, we're working with this company, we're working with this company, uh, we're growing, we're on so many wells, and I was like, man, that's really impressive. And you're like, yeah, we've been around seven months. And I was like, what? That's like unheard of. So like, yeah, there's some gaps to fill here. For one. How'd you pull that off? So obviously, you found like a need. I think for one, being in Midland, I think has helped tremendously. But walk me, and you walk through like where you've lived and stuff, but walk me through a little bit of more of your your ESP background. Uh, and it was working in operators, was it working uh, oil field service companies, and then the, let's get into the genesis of the company. Right. So Oberyn, um, old contact of mine, um, I used to work a couple levels below him when he was CEO at a company that I worked for. Um, he came to us. Us is myself, Mark McAway, and Chad Jordan were the three boomerang boys in West Texas. Three amigos. And uh, yeah, and both guys were in my wedding, so we've we've had great relationships and they're they're some of my best buds. So um Oberyn approached us and said, Hey, I've got this technology. Okay, there's a lot of new technologies coming out, kinda of let's vet it. What what Oberyn and his group have, um, it's been in the works for about ten years and it's a group that has had um this type of complex controllability, edge devices, the cloud native infrastructure, they built it all themselves and they're using it in different industries. So food and beverage, sugarcane factories, smart cities, those types of things. Dairy farms? Not dairy farms. Not dairy farms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe one day. (laughs) And so we said that we need to adapt it to oil and gas. So um, Oberon had been adapting to oil and gas for two years and he was finally ready to launch. So he needed a Permian crew to kind of help it. So we developed Boomerang. We came up with the logo, which my wife did. And um, yeah, we launched seven months ago. And our goal was in the, you know, we all kind of took that risk, right? We, we have no revenue, no customers. And we ordered 500 boom boxes, which costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it was, all right, guys, we have six months to sell these 500 or we have to go find a job. So backs against the wall. We've now sold 1,200 boom boxes and we're on track to do between 2,000 and 2,500 by the end of the year. And our goal wow. is 1,000. So what's the, what's like the average number per company? So it's depending on how many really ESPs, gas lift assets they have. So if a gas lift, you could put six wells on one boom box, okay. um, but every ESP should have its own boom box. So if a company has 400 ESPs, they would have 400 boom boxes. So you have the so you have the one boom box. Say there's six wells connected to that. What devices are you able to install in each well? So we don't. So all that information is fed back to one location, whether it's a compressor. Oh, so it's your existing the existing SCADA, right? Goes right. to the modem. Modem goes to the boom box. Right. Gotcha. So if there's a modem out there, we just tie the boom box directly to it. Uh, we change the SIM card so the data comes to us. The AT&T or Verizon data comes to us, and then we're rocking. Everything else is done remote. What if they don't have SCADA, but they're like, man. Like, yeah. what, what do you do in that situation? Then we can provide them with the boombox and we sell the modems also. The modems are really cheap. Yeah. And we just put that out on each asset type and we, we can bring it all into one platform. So one customer was interested in just having his ESPs, rod pumps, uh, gas lift wells, and then I think H pumps also all in one platform because he just hadn't had that before. 
And the H pump specifically for the solar disposals, right? Yeah, SCVDs yeah. mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything on the energy efficiency side of H pump? That's always like one of the biggest issues. Those things just like gobble energy. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm not an H pump guy by any yeah. means. Um, we are working with a company called Flexflow. Okay. And they've got 300 H pump trailers that are situated around the country, and they rent these trailers and handle folks' disposal needs. And they're putting a boombox on every trailer, which is awesome for us. Great partner. Wow, that's awesome. Um, seven months, you've sold 1,500 so far? Yeah, 12, 12 1,500, yeah. Chad's in Midland selling more today, so I don't know what the number's going to be when this so do you, comes out. Do you have to have any sort of like internet at the actual well site? Yeah, so normally you have a that modem. It's an AT&T Verizon that's going to connect us to okay. um, service. So it's a modem or it's a satellite, and that's pretty much how we the connectivity works. Okay. So and so... That is pretty spotty, right? You got to pay because Verizon's going out all the time. Our boombox does have a data logger stored into it. We can store about three weeks worth of data. So when you look at our trends, you never have a gap. As that service goes out, comes back online, the boombox will transmit all that data and backfill. So that's mm. something that not a lot of folks have been doing either. Do you, there's always like this debate of like, what do you actually send back to whether the cloud or the back office and stuff? Like, how do you guys think about that? Is it, because you don't necessarily need to send 100% of the data. No. Right? But we do store all of it. Yeah. And Oracle's our partner. I know you had a Oracle guy on the pod a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And it was great listening to him. And I, I need to connect with him because we were dealing with Oracle, big Oracle. But it'd be nice to talk to some of the... Yeah. I'll, I'll introduce you to the team. Yeah. Okay. It'd be great. I had to call them yesterday. But they're our cloud partner. Okay. Cool. Um, So you, you have the internet. I wonder if Starlink is ever going to like make its way into the oil field. So we've thought about it. Starlink is at the moment more expensive than what we're doing. You know, yeah. we're Verizon AT and T. You're talking five, ten, fifteen bucks a month for the data. Yeah. Depending on the the lift type, gas lift five, ten bucks. ESP fifteen, twenty bucks. Starlink's in fifty or a hundred. So yeah. If an operator wants Starlink or they have Starlink or they have Wi-Fi, we just connect to that. It's pretty impressive. So like we so we have a family ranch in between Dallas and Tyler, and it's relatively remote. And there's like no options. Like, I mean, we're talking like county road to county road to county road to get out to where this place is at. So it's really expensive to get them to install anything. And then even if you do, it's just probably not like great bandwidth. Um and so yeah, so one of those rednecks up there, I talked my dad into getting Starlink and they were able to like redirect one they're able to shoot to oklahoma and oklahoma is able to go to the satellite it works great so like now he's has has internet at home he's got you know streaming and stuff it's more fun for me when i go up there i can actually like watch netflix and so if that was impressive enough the other day i flew on a jsx flight i don't know if you've ever flown that mm -mm. so it's like semi-private but it like really honestly it costs the same as like a normal flight so it's a much better experience so like why wouldn't you do it as long as they were right. there well they, now they just put starlink on all of their flights and so I was taking Zoom calls on a flight, zero lag, did not interrupt my workflow whatsoever for wow. the 45 minutes that I was on the flight. Absolutely like remarkable. So I'm kind of curious, yeah, like if they're going to like break into the wheel field. I haven't seen anybody using Starlink in the wheel field yet, but if you are, reach out. I would love to, love to know. <laughs> it's like super interesting. It'd be great if an operator had it or they were using yeah. it and we can just tie our boombox to that service. So we just put an antenna on the boombox, get connectivity, and we're, we're rocking and rolling that way. So it's interesting. You see how something like Wi-Fi on a flight is has changed us, right? I was watching Spider-Man on the flight here, which is yeah. pretty fun. But and I think we're a part of a change in in what people are capable of. You don't have to send a technician to to the field. 
And we don't want to eliminate technicians. That's not what technology is for. It's making those people more efficient, right? Being able to do more with less. And you talk about Midland and the, the workforce down there, right? We lost a lot of people during mm-hmm. downturn and COVID. And, and now people are kind of ramping up and people are being smart about it. The operators are. But if they do decide to just go crazy again, there's not enough folks out there. So that's where technology is going to play. There is, oh man, it's like such a massive shortage. I don't really, really, I don't think people realize how bad the shortage of like good, talented workers for this industry is. Right. It's like you talk to some of these bigger organizations and they're like, yeah, we're hiring for like 500 positions and we can't find anybody. Yeah. Like, for one, they're just not getting applicants, right? And the applicants they do get are just like not qualified. Right. So jobs are not going anywhere. Yeah. And one thing that I, I've, I, I kind of like about working with Boomerang and, you know, co-founding Boomerang is big companies, big operators have this, what we're doing. Um, one in particular is doing full closed loop control on gas lift wells. So they're taking, they're doing nodal on a suite of five, 10 wells, tying it back to the compressor's gas availability and saying, send this gas to this well. This one doesn't need this extra 30 MCF and it can really close the loop. And the edge devices are making those changes remotely. And all the time without anybody doing approval. Mm. So it's incredible. Um, what Boomerang is, is we are that technology, but we can give it to anybody, the little guys. So if you've got 20 wells, 200 wells, or 20,000 wells, we can offer it to you at a competitive price to what you're already using and unlock that potential for your, for your assets. So on that point, what is the, what is the business model? Are you, are you selling devices, leasing devices? Is it SaaS? Walk me through that. Yes, yeah, so we sell the hardware. Um, we sell the boombox and the modem as a package. It's got Ethernet cords and a couple of DB9 cables if they need it for 485 connection. And then um, it's a subscription service from there. So a couple hundred bucks a month. You get your dashboards. You get reports every morning. You get uh, visibility, control, and the amount of users doesn't matter. Everything is very scalable. It's the microservice environment. So you have, like I said, 10 wells or 1,000 wells, no problem. So we pay. we charge per well per month. Okay. That's nice and simple. Um, man, what, 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 I feel like you guys are crushing it right out the gate. Like what's, like what's next? I don't know. So we, we're focused on the Permian. Yeah. Um, FlexFlow is going to put 50 boom boxes in North Dakota in the Bakken. Nice. Which is kind of fun. So we had a, a little uh, hat giveaway on LinkedIn. We needed a name for our cold boom box. We had, a spe- we had to order special boom boxes that could handle the temperatures up there, like negative yeah. 40 C. And our buddy Nick came up with Icebox. So, Icebox. <laughs> so we've got 50 Iceboxes going up there, which is cool. Um, but really, Permian Focus, uh, Midcon, Next, Bakken, and then hopefully we do International. International is a little trickier um, with the data and, you know, you go to certain countries. So different data standards? Get, or Different data standards. And I don't know a ton about it, so I don't want to lie here. Yeah. But I there's not just Oracle and Verizon and, and mm. a lot of other places. So... I think for us to take it to to that big level, uh, we will need to go international. I think um, they could probably use a lot of help for all the same reasons, uh, you know, the manpower. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. Well, awesome, man. Well, this has been awesome. I'm I'm cheering you guys on. It's so cool to see somebody. It's very rare that you you get the kind of success at the six seven month mark right out the gate. So I think it's a testament to you guys. Really hitting a need, especially with these, with these first few operators that you guys are working with. And so I think you guys are going to crush it, man. Yeah. I think competition's coming. Uh, don't get me wrong, but 
Mark and Chad and myself and the folks that we're going to bring on, we should be at five, ten employees in about a year from now. And uh, I'll put our horses against anybody's horses. So we, uh, we're excited for the competition to come. And we really want to kind of just take over the, the SCADA closed-loop control market. I love it, man. We'll do another podcast in a year or so and see where you guys are at. Yeah. But uh, I think you guys are pitching at Energy Tech Night, aren't you? We are. Awesome. We are. Cool. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, the spots were full, but we put ourselves in as first alternate, and uh, we made it in. Hell yeah. So I don't know when this pod's going to come out, but I don't know if it'll uh, come out before or after, but either way, <laughs> be, there, be there at Energy Tech Night Midland or miss out, man. Yeah. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming down, man. It's been great. Cool. Great meeting you. Hey guys, if you like the podcast, take two seconds, leave a rating review, share it with your friends. Catch you guys in the next episode.